either of you, you neither of you would have a watch press, would you? No. No. I you're talking about trying to open one so you can get at the battery. Yeah. You uh if you have a nice jeweler near you, they will typically do that for low cost. I have a I have the correct thing for opening twist on watchbacks. Mm-hmm. But doing the press so that the press on ones are sealed properly, I don't maybe I can find something in the garage. I just was curious. Uh, if you guys had one, because I only have one watch that needs it. I feel silly buying anything. Right. I have a similar situation. Uh, when I had to replace the battery there, I took it to a jeweler. I have like, I have six watches that I can use the, the wrench on. Yeah, exactly. One watch that presses together, which is, of course, the cheap one that I wear all the time. But of right. course. But of course, hello and welcome to episode 258 of We Were Gamers, a podcast about the weekend. Not the music, but the actual weekend. I had a great one. Michael, did you have a great one? Yeah, it was a good weekend. JJ, did you have a great one? Yeah, yeah, good weekend in general. Welcome to the return of Monday. I hope everyone had a good one. It was pretty good over here, actually. You know, one of the best Mondays in a little bit of time. I got extra sleep last night wow yeah it's unusual i know uh quick shout out as a friends of the pod congratulations on your wedding andrew and judith absolutely yeah man very cool they uh they had it in our backyard which was fun uh it was a little civil ceremony covid friendly we're all we're all safe over here but uh it got me thinking, you know, it's kind of that time of year to start using the yard again. I got the pool all cleaned up. I got the heaters thrown on it. We're going to get that thing going, man. It's that time to use your backyard. California, at least, anyway. I know some people in Ohio just had some snow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're localized. I, we're local boys. I can't, I can't speak you know, to other parts of the country. Uh, I, I can tell you that it is about to be that time because uh we're redoing our backyard as you know i do uh and they're building our barbecue island uh in the backyard now and so they're like hey we need the measurements for the barbecue you're gonna put in there Uh oh um well we got them and getting the measurements is easy that's the problem the problem is getting the piece of metal that goes in the Uh, yeah yeah oh no are they sold out Oh, my man. How long do you think the back order is? How oh, long? No. Okay, wait, wait, well, we can solve this uh, question. <laughs> First, you're not getting like a Home Depot brand next grill or anything like that. You're getting a grill grill, a set it, in into this the is island. A built, grill, this is grill. a built-in, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like a okay. DCS or something like that? A Wolf? What are we talking? Uh, the brand name is Delta Heat. Oh, I know Delta Heat. Yeah, they're a good brand. Yeah, uh, uh, we we toured... Various different barbecue selling facilities. Uh, <laughs> as you do. As you do. Um, yeah. But they were all quoting pretty similar lead times. So I'm curious okay. what you guys think the the time to grill is. 14 today. weeks. Okay. Michael, you have a guess? I was going to go more like 22. All right. So you guys are more pessimistic than Buddy, the, the reality. I, I waited I was seven months. I waited seven months for a garage door. I just have to remind you. So I think the reason it's not worse is because we are approaching the season. 
Uh-huh. Oh, they've and been it, building up. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And so they're they're like the demand they knew would be spiking this time of year anyway, right? Sure. Just even though COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um Well, especially COVID. Well, yeah, but like last year they didn't know that, right? So like demand is always kind of lagging or their production production always lags a little bit with what demand is at this exact second. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, but you know, I feel you know, given last year, a lot of people probably grilled last year and thought, you know, I could use a nicer grill since we're going to spend more time at home. So this year, yes, demand will be that everything. Demand is going to be crazy, of course. Yeah. But so the uh, pl- the the place with the least lead time quoted us more money. But of course, <laughs> uh, and the place with the longer lead times was like, you know, it was enough money that like, look, we don't need it four weeks faster so we can and, do 12 to 14 instead of 8 to 12 right and you know that the place with the shorter lead time they will just tell you there was a delay yeah like whatever right and both of them said like we truly have no idea what the actual lead time is because like a ship shows up and there's 50 grills on it and yours is here in two weeks yeah or it could be the full amount of time, right? Like this is what the factory quotes us. So we have to tell you, but it could be any time from, you know, two weeks to this time. We like they've had people where like an order comes in and all of a sudden, like the next truck has four of those on it and then it's, they're done. Right. Okay. Well, the yours probably won't come on a ship. Yours are Delta heats. I'm almost an American brand. It's an American brand. Like uh, I think DCS and Wolf are American brands. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't particularly care uh, about the brand uh, specifically, like whether it was an import or whatever. Um, but it well, had the it had we, the various accessories that went with the thing that also was the size and the construction we were looking for. So I think it's time to be of a mind. If you are into a project deep enough as you are into this backyard, which you should describe. But if you're talking about creating a barbecue island in your backyard with a brand new grill and all these types of things... Um, spending up is an investment in not dealing with things in the future. Oh yeah, absolutely. We were, the issue is whether we were talking about like an imported brand of this price range or a non-imported brand, Uh, right? Uh Not, not in terms of like spending less money on a cheaper one. We were getting an expensive one, no matter what. (laughs) Right. And this is actually not the most expensive you can go. You can spend a lot of money on a grill. Oh, a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll but get, they'll pe- get you. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, hey, do you want one that has like 15 different burner zones and a rotisserie and like carbon ceramic Did you get tiles? a rotisserie? And, no, no. You did didn't not. get a rotisserie? Uh, no, dude. No, buddy. I'm not going to use mm. that. No. I, uh, I use it a lot, actually. <laughs> I, for what? I stick two chickens on it at one time and rotisserie that thing for a couple hours. Mwah. Do you know how, how we do that in this house? You have the, uh, the the burners on the side on and the center one off, and then you go out there every 15 minutes and you turn the chicken standing up. It's very easy. Okay. Yeah. Indirect okay. heat. Sure. Yeah. All right. It's... I... Look... I, all power to you. You want the rotisserie? <laughs> the cost of the road. It's always like, you know, it, the other thing is, right, if we really decide we want it later, you can buy the add-on, man. There's, they'll sell it to you. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's probably it modular is, like everybody else, right? It absolutely is modular because you can buy yeah. the same grill with and without it, and then they yeah. also sell a kit, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's a good point. So, 
Well, I uh, can't. But, I can't convince you, probably, but I do no, it's like having too late to convince me. I I do like having the rotisserie attached to the grill. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. What I, size are we know, talking here? Uh, thirty-two inch grill. How many? How many BTUs? Uh, a large number. I don't remember. <laughs> off the top of my head. A sear your face off number. Many. Many. many not as many. not as many BTUs as the ones with the like searing attachment or part or whatever. Okay. There are some of those ones where they're like, it gets like 1200 degrees or something ridiculous. Yeah. They're like, you can burn a steak in 10 seconds on this yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're most of the people we talked with, uh, were like, look, man, this thing is cool, but like no one uses this just it, like almost wastes of space on your grill because it gets too hot normally. Yeah. So you can't use it. I'm glad I don't um, have infrared for that reason. Yeah, yeah, similar. And so we we did not get the one of the infrared um like burners for that reason. Just give me that good old fashioned heat. Yeah, yeah. Does yours have a smoke tray so you can kind of give it a little little spice? Uh there there is a little tray on the side of it that you can use for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. I like that thing. Uh cuz you know everybody complains, well, not everybody. I am a proponent of gas cooking. Michael may not be considering where he's from. Uh, briquettes have a flavor. Mm-hmm. Charcoal has a flavor. I personally do not see an overall benefit in everyday cooking with maintaining the stuff needed for cooking on those things. Yeah. I think it only makes sense if you're doing like cookouts and a lot of stuff all the time right sure and And in the in those instances like i will let someone who knows more and cares more about it than me do that um and but like this is hooked up to you know we had a natural gas line installed so it's not even propane this is just like straight up hooked up to the to the feed yeah you get that constant pressure don't have to worry about tanks it's good yeah, that's the way to go. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a, a fan of gas cooking unless you're you're really going to do a lot of cooking. Um, and then I, you know, I tend to prefer uh, like cooking over wood smoke. I I figured you'd have not maybe a strong opinion, but a definite per- preference for wood smoked barbecue. Yeah. Like if it were me, I would definitely just hardline in a gas line. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just easier at home. And, like, even if you want to do – and to be fair, like, we would not have been able to hardline in the gas line if we were not also tearing up all the concrete and stuff in that area. Yeah. Right? Because there's no gas line there. They had to run it from all the way around the side of the house, uh, which was only possible, again, because we were tearing all that stuff up. Yeah. Um, But even if you have to do propane, propane is very easy, and it's not even that hard to refill those things. Like, it takes you, you know, depending on how far away the nearest place that fills them in yeah. is – should be very easy and it's not expensive no for, you know, I have, how many times you can use them i have two 20 pounders and a five pounder on hand at all times just because i have a backup gas grill that takes propane it's like a tailgate grill kind of thing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and a camping stove that hooks up to it too so i just keep gas on hand just in case it's not hard to yeah. get it filled. i mean like I, i'm not going to get rid of the propane cylinder that we have for our current no, our current barbecue. Because, like, why not? You can still use it. What if we get one of those uh, outdoor heater things you were talking about? Exactly. Those connect exactly. to those, right? Yep, they do. 
By the um, way, those also are hard to find uh, these days. They're no, uh, no kidding. Costco has some. Demand. I don't know if they're well priced or not, but I saw I some in Costco. I just remember like last time we looked at those, like last year sometime, they were like, oh no, no one, you can't find these. They're out everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we ran into that with um, patio furniture last year. I was like, no, there's no lounge chairs for your pool. What are you talking about? Oh man. Uh, do yourself a solid, my friend. Okay. Print out a Google Maps photo of your house and uh, draw some lines in the ground where they put that new pipe and then file mm. it away in a folder. Okay. Just in case you ever like need to dig irrigation lines or whatever, you'll know. Oh yeah. It runs over here. It's a good idea. Just before you forget. No. All good, right. Good plan. Good plan. Well, I hope your backyard's going to be summer ready. Cause I'm going to be shot in the arm summer ready next week. I'm not one of those nice. one and one and done people, but soon. Hey, I, I like to call it the limited edition now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael and I got the limited edition shot. <laughs> JJ. Although I guess it, it's back on again, so it's not limited anymore, but no, it's no. Well now we're, that was, edi- that was first edition. Now we're in uh what do they call it? Unlimited. Oh right, yeah. What's the what? Yeah. How do the magic sets <laughs> the go? Magic yeah, it's first, first edition, edition and then unlimited. Yeah, and then wait, beta. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, JJ, when we come to your yard, you got to take us to Flavor Town. Oh man, what an experience, you guys! Tell us, so, tell us, explain to people what I'm talking about because I it was a good segue, but no one knows the, what I'm talking food, about. Yeah, the food adventure. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sure we have devotees on this podcast of the world famous show Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. Right? I've gone up and down on that show. I I I am similar in that I watch it sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, and then I'm, but I mean, I'm like, I've seen enough of this. I mean, like morally. At first, Morally. I thought, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, explain. At first, I thought, wow, this is a cool show. He's really highlighting these places that uh, no one would know about. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, this is like super gluttonous. He really shouldn't be eating the type of stuff that he's eating. And then the third time I watched it, I was like, yeah, he's a good guy, actually, it turns out. So maybe just I'm just going to enjoy what I'm watching. If it's anything like some of the other, some of the other like crazy eating shows, when he's not filming, he actually eats much better. I don't know about yeah. Guy Fieri eating that much better. <laughs> I saw that menu he I, tried to do for TGI Fridays. It wasn't so healthy. So I think that that's the thing, though, right? You got to separate his persona as a chef uh, from how he, the human, actually sure. lives. You know, yeah. sure. I think uh, though, this, more more than most, and I want you to get back on track in a second, but more than most, I think he lives closer. I'm not saying his eating habits, but just he lives closer to his on-camera persona than a lot of others, that, like the Gordon Ramsays and all those people of the world. I believe that. I could believe that, absolutely. Yeah. Especially anyway. especially if you've watched recent episodes of the show during COVID, he... They can't well, go to these restaurants. Home. Yeah. He, he's filming at home with his son as the cameraman and his, one of his other sons as the like sous chef oh. at their home outdoor kitchen. 
Okay. Which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> by the way, it is insane. You want to talk about spending money on stuff. Holy cow. He has like an entire restaurant kitchen outdoors, including a giant pizza oven. I want with that. Lo- yeah, me too, dude. It's amazing. It's huge. You could fit like a, a full-size giant pizza pie in there. I want to build then, one like, of those Multiple bricks. sinks, multiple flat tops, multiple grills, like stoves, the whole thing. It's crazy. Good for him. That's awesome. And then he does... So then, because he can't go to these restaurants, right, he has the chefs mail him the ingredients and he and then does a Zoom with them or whatever. Okay. And they tell him how to prepare their dish and he makes it at home and then they try it or whatever. Wow, that's cool. Like, they Zoom in and stuff? Yeah, and then you get all the, the same Food Network shots you would get there, except instead of being on location, they're at his house. Nice. All right, so... T- fill us in so flavor town uh guy fieri opened a ghost kitchen we've talked about a few of these before y'all remember what ghost kitchens are yeah we talked about the uh jolene's wings ghost kitchen at lazy dog up here in orange county yep uh, there's, there's other ghost one. kitchens there's, there's another, another wing out of umami uh there's, poultry gram out of umami locations there's another one out of um uh, uh, uh chili's has a ghost kitchen another wings place yeah, so these are these, like, kitchens that basically operate online only. They only do delivery, and they use the kitchens of these other restaurants. And so I guess Guy Fieri's Flavortown is the name of this this ghost kitchen. I guess it operates out of Buca de Beppo is my uh, <laughs> That sounds my right. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, they, got no, the, they, got the, they got all the cheese and stuff you want, so, you know, hey. It's fantastic. I like it. Uh, so we had decided we we're going to try this one time. Uh, and so, you know, we ordered it and we ordered, uh, I'm trying to remember the names of the dishes. I'm going to do a terrible job. I'm sorry. Uh, but it, they were essentially like bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers, uh, a burger that had like, uh, avocado and bacon on it. Another burger with a fried egg. And I want to say like some kind of, uh, Guy Fieri named sauce whose name I forget. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, so we just made like a little meal out of it. it of course, we didn't eat all of this at once because it's like, and then I think we got fries or something also, right? Sure. Uh, we didn't finish all of it at once because it was way too much food, but the, the, the saucy nature <laughs> of Guy Fieri came through for sure. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, certainly the, like, the man loves his cheese uh, on these things. I think he actually sure does, he talk- man. Yeah, yeah. It, you can tell uh, that, you know, they, they were given orders, like, even when you don't say, like, you know, heavy sauce or anything like that, the orders are strict <laughs> to use a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, so and in that way, it's kind of weird because the, you know, because these are delivery items, they're going to be a little soggy, right? Like a burger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I really wonder, would this have been better if we had ordered it at... I mean, it wasn't bad. We loved it, of course. It was great. It's just, like, Andrew described it as gluttonous, and I think that that's probably the right... You got to kind of be in that mood to eat, like, yeah, really it's like, gluttonous it's like going to It's like going to Slater's, you know? You know you're in for a burger that's going to make your head hurt. Yeah, don't, don't expect to be, like, walking out of there feeling, like, light and refreshed. You're going to be... <laughs> You're going to be heavy coming out of this one. Uh, but it was like, the prices aren't unreasonable considering it's delivery, right? 
So you got to like, you know, expect that there's a little bit of a tax there on everything. Um, but it was good. It was good. The The bacon was good. The the fried egg on the burger was good also. Which, again, is a combination I think most of us have said on this podcast we enjoy quite a bit. Yes. I think there was some debate as to whether it was a top tier tier item in terms of what should come. But uh, we all like it. Yeah. I certainly agree with that. Uh, and the jalapeno, the bacon-wrapped jalapeno poppers were really good. Uh, the bacon was like very crispy while the uh the cheese filled jalapenos were were good as well not too spicy really uh, i don't know if that's just like because they scraped all the seeds out to fill them with cheese or they just like you know ordering spicy things from restaurants is always kind of a, a gamble because you never know if they're actually going to be spicy or if it's like mild spicy right yeah right the, so you can i would guess that a bugo de beppo spicy is not as spicy as let's say um like I mean, Indian, if you didn't do Indian research, restaurant spicy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. It, but if you didn't do research, you wouldn't know this is out of Buga de Beppo. It doesn't say that anywhere. That's fair. I had to like look it up to figure that out. Because uh, if you just go online and order, it just says like, you know, which location. And then it just says, yeah, OK, well, you know, which is the one near you or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So um, and, and I guess they are partnered with one of the one of those delivery apps. So you have to use that one. Oh, uh, interesting. You're locked okay. into DoorDash or Grubhub. So some or of the other ones, whichever can... one it was, I forgot already. Oh, okay. Yes. Some of the other ones you can, um, you can kind of you can pick up. I I made so it may have been possible to do pickup also. Okay. Um, that was not a option we were willing to entertain at that time, just because of our schedules. But it would have. I, I couldn't. There definitely was no option to like. Hey, can I can I just like skip the app and get it delivered from you directly or something like that? They, right. they weren't doing that. It was sure. all through the app for sure, okay. and there were no options for other apps either. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if, if like you. he cut a deal with them or something. Maybe I wonder if it helps them keep costs down because they say, "Hey, we're only going to use you if you can give us a better rate on the cut you take." You know, or maybe um, whichever app it was paid some upfront fee to them. You know, to sure. box yeah, the other guys a out lot of whatever. there's a lot of questions out there about you know those services and what they cost and people delivering empty pizzas to themselves to make money and stuff like that. Uh, that story about the dude delivering empty pizzas to himself is really funny. People should go read it. Uh, it's also kind of horrifying. Uh, people have never read that. It's a I forget what article that was. I read it also though. This is the exact same story about a dude like making money from the delivery apps by delivering himself empty pizzas. Yeah. Anyway, um, I would do it again, but it would need to be one of those times where you're just like, I just want some real bad for me food. Like I need, <laughs> I need a burger that is bad for me right now. And like, or, and they have all kinds of stuff too. They had a Mac and cheese. Uh, they have, you know, a, a whole bunch of different menu items. So well, in terms of, I mean, if you're going to make that decision, this sounds better than say lining up for a, a fast food burger. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly more interesting than just like a regular, you know, fast food burger. Yeah, more expensive fun, too, but something like, different. If if there's one near you, and there are there are several of them all over the place, it's not like San Diego is the only place that has them. Um, it's worth trying once just to say you did. You know, I think yeah. I looked it up, and there was one somewhat close by here in Orange County. There's a Buca de Beppo nearest you, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. So not clear if it's every, every one of those locations either, but it certainly is something that, uh, you know, again, I said, you know, it's worth trying once for sure. Yeah. Um, special occasions or whatnot. Well, uh, I'm glad you didn't go pick it up. Uh, because if you had put food in that new car of yours, I would have been (laughs) very upset at you. Yeah. I certainly haven't done that yet. Tell me everything there is to know about Tokyo drifting your new car around. (laughs) Uh, I'm too scared to do that. So I know nothing about it. Uh, Okay. So this is a vehicle of which you are rightfully scared. Uh, no, not because it's fast, but because it's new and the paint is still nice and I don't have protection on the paint yet. Let's, okay, let's get to the paint later. Michael? We will. We have to get to the Michael, paint. Michael, we later. have to get to the paint on this car eventually. Okay. What What did you get? Nissan Skyline? What'd you do? Uh, man, I read some really interesting articles this week about the old Skylines and like how illegal the importing scene was back then. But uh, no, I bought a Toyota Supra. So the new the, Toyota Super, right? Re-released, yes. redesigned, re-everything. Yeah, the one that is a BMW Z4. I was just about to say the <laughs> one with the BMW oh, bro, you, you engine. Don't, you, you can't... Oh, not just the engine. <laughs> uh, you, you look at the interior, it looks like a BMW. The buttons and the control stack look real familiar. How does Toyota get away with that? Like, did they just uh, not... Get, get, get away? What do you mean? It's like a partnership. They I know, did it but with like, them. Why, why did they... How do they get away with people being, I mean, rightfully probably because it's a BMW, happy about seeing a Toyota with German parts in it? Toyotas are known for being easy to repair and lasting forever. BMWs, not so much. Hmm. Sure. Uh, So the answer to your question is I don't know. Um, But the, the statements Toyota has given over the years about this are basically like, to make a car like this, it needed to have an inline six. And uh, they also sell a four-cylinder version, by the way. Um, but the B- Toyota doesn't make an inline six engine anymore. Right. And BMW makes very good ones. And so Toyota was like, if we're going to make this car, you know, another another Supra, it has to live up to the legend that that other one became. And so that means it needs to have, you know, an inline six. And Toyota isn't going to spend a billion dollars or whatever to develop one of their own to meet the standards. Okay. So then it became a partnership. And then once it became a partnership, well, it's like, well, BMW is making this Z4 convertible. What if we use this platform? And then what if you also then use the same transmissions? And then also what if you use the same (laughs) infotainment system and almost everything inside and so on and so forth? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. And so then, you know, it is a it is a paint of a, a so I will say the exterior styling looks extremely different. It doesn't look anything like the BMW. Oh, uh, no, but it doesn't w- look any it looks like mm. the Super is supposed to look, man. I mean, that's pretty yeah. car. Uh certainly it looks very ni- I think it looks nice. Uh there certainly are a lot of people it is I think divisive in the car community, but really uh I think people think that it's like, oh, what is with all these like swoopy fake vents and all this stuff all over it? And it's like, yeah, mm. it looks cool. That's what it, that's what it is. <laughs> are they uh, not? There's no real vents on the car. Uh, those vents are all fake. Oh, yeah. Can you make uh, them now, into real vents? I mean, you could take the fake one out and replace it with a hole, and now you have a hole instead of a fake vent. Would that help you in any way? Probably not. It probably screw I mean, aerodynamics. 
there's no ducting there, so like you could install a duct, and then maybe you would have something. I, I ducted my Mustang's front brakes through some holes that used to be fake. I made new ones mm-hmm. and ducted the front brakes. And, and I mean, like certainly, you know, if you ask Toyota about this, right? Like, which people on the internet have done already? So I already know the answer, right? It's like Toyota will say, "Oh, we did this so that like tuning companies can create cool body kits and like all these cool things or whatever." Which but is, also, which is a very Honda way to look at stuff. But also, like, how many people are going to do that? They did depending it on the cost cool. of this car. I don't. I. I don't think so a lot. <laughs> yeah. So it, they did it because they think it looks cool, right? Yeah. All right. I think it looks cool. So whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a two seater with a turbo inline six. Um, makes three hundred and eighty two horsepower. And like 300 and something pound feet torque. Nice. Forget the exact number. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a two seater and there, it's not like a two plus two. It's just a two seater. What's okay. in the back of you? Uh, a bar and then the trunk. <laughs> Very retro. I mean, you know, there, there's an open hole there. So, so directly behind you, right, is like the speakers and the subwoofer. Yeah. Uh, there's a bar on top of those, but there's a hole in between the seats where you can reach back into where the, you know, the trunk is if you wanted to do that. Or sure. you wanted to try and put skis there or something. I don't know what you would do with that pass through because as soon as it goes much farther than the seat, you're like taking away the cup holders and then you're hitting the driver. The, right. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the, um, the drive select. So. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been fun. I have to, I had to go up to LA to buy it because. Again, talking about the color, there aren't that many in the color that I ended up getting it in. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the one that I got was in L.A., uh, in Culver City. The next closest one of the same color was in Sacramento. Well, you could have gone on a little trip if you wanted to. That's pretty far. <laughs> uh, the next closest one after that was the Midwest, and then after that was the East Coast. And you chose this color, why? Uh, because it looks good. Uh, and also, they didn't let me get the fun color because Toyota sucks and only has, like... Oh, that's not true. They have yellow. Yellow is a nice color. I just don't want a yellow car. Yeah. And you don't like white for some reason. White is a terrible color. White is not cars. a terrible color. No. You're extremely wrong about that. But that's okay. So you can be wrong. It's fine. Okay. Uh, if there's... you... Okay, hold on. Poll, listener poll. All right. Email, text, I mean, and call JJ's cell I mean, I'm phone gonna, at I'm going one. to lose this because white <laughs> is consistently one of the most popular colors uh, in cars sold. White is the most popular color of cars sold. Yeah, it's one of the worst colors you can get. Yeah. Dude, that pearl white that people make now is amazing. It's also just as hard to repair as the color you got. Oh, you're talking about like a matte white. That's no, a- it's like a pearlescent white where they it is kind of like half matte and half... It still has hard coat over the top of it, but it mats out the white underneath the hard coat. So it's shiny, but it also looks a little matte. They call it pearlescent okay. white. Uh, this car is not offered in that color, so I can't make any... Uh, the colors are regular white, silver, gray, black... Okay. Red. Okay. Yellow. Uh huh. A different black. Uh huh. A blue that only comes on the special edition car of which only five hundred were made. Oh, that's the, the one same you need. one with. 
Well, yeah, I would have gotten that, but they're all sold, so I can't get one. I would have gotten the blue one, but it wasn't available. Or I would have at least tried, right? All right. Bottom tier colors are black. Agreed. Red. White. Mm. And then red. Disagree. Silver is a bottom tier color. Silver is absolutely a bottom tier color. Uh, oh, the rest of the colors are all acceptable. Yeah. I, I liked the gray color also. Um, gray's fine. Gray can be good, which is why it can't automatically be a bottom tier color. Most grays yeah. are good. Some grays are bad. Yeah, I could say the same about blue. It depends on the shade. Yeah, the Ford how, Performance how Baby Blue is not my bag. Yeah, I've seen. Is there like there? I've seen some uh, Audis have like a robin's egg blue kind of color, mm-hmm. which is a little more extreme than I think I want. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm partial to blue because I own currently a blue BMW that I like a lot. Yeah, blue. I mean, dark blues are are very nice, and they can be offset like that. Um, that original GT Ford GT blue with the offsetting white. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great color for sure. It's a classic color, too. and even the. The older Ford GTs with the blue and orange, that blue was good. The weird mid two thousands blue that they tried to do, where they were like, it was like it's a throwback color, kinda, not good, not good at all. I, Looked like it belonged think, in the nursery. I think if you're offering sports cars to people, I think you should offer silly colors also. Absolutely. You should allow people to get a car yeah. in orange if they want it. Oh yeah, you should allow them to get it in yellow. Oh, to their credit, they do allow a yellow. You absolutely need to be selling them in red, right? Yeah, yes. I don't like red, though. Bottom tier. I also don't like red, but I'm just saying that you need to be having that color as an option, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe a lime green. I think a lime oh, green lime would green. have been cool. Yeah. I would have mm-hmm. considered getting a lime green car. Or orange, maybe. But would you have actually... available options. I would have wanted to see it in person. For I sure. would have I thrown. Would... I would have thrown a lot of respect on you if you had bought a bright lime green Lime car. green. Yeah, I... I think it's kind of a cool color for sure. You have to offset it with some like carbon fiber or something. I I would have certainly considered it. You need to get uh, like a huge a hole wing on the back of the car. <laughs> uh, this car doesn't come with one of those. So. No, you, I, that's why I said you need to get one. Oh, oh I need fiber. I need an aftermarket one. Aftermarket yeah. install. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'll design it. Okay. I'll sure. make it the most. I mean, you just just Google. Supra giant wing and you'll find 50 photos on I'm doing that right now okay talk about this paint that you had to (laughs) drive to LA yeah let me hear about the paint paint color that I got Toyota calls phantom which is a stupid name but the color is really a matte gray okay and if you go on Toyota's website to like the build your own one or whatever and you run the configurator and like look at the color the picture doesn't do justice to what the car looks like in person because it it's hard to convey a like matte the difference between a matte color and a glossy color in a photo like that. If you see pictures that people have taken on the internet, it makes more it look like a real life picture, it looks a little better. You can see some more Oh my god, this is <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that the is that the blue by the way? Is that the stock blue? No. This oh, is wow. a this is a uh it's like a powder blue or yeah, something. This, this blue is, is this blue is fine. Color. This blue is okay. The, the That's blue, what they call that electric blue. Yeah. Yes. The the blue is a darker shade than this. Okay. Um, for the special edition one. Okay. I think they Man, call it that refraction. Wing. Woo, that wing. That's 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 what you. <laughs> that need. is some Fast and the Furious stuff. That right is there, what that you wing. need. Some downforce, buddy. 
Yeah, I think it's fine without it, probably. Is this car uh, all or rear? Uh, rear wheel. Okay. Again, a like, you know, like a true sports car, you know, classical sports car should yeah, be. Yeah, I was going to say a very, very drift heavy sports car nowadays. Most, yeah. most track I, I cars are going to be all now. I don't know that they intended when building this car for it to be drifted, but certainly people will be doing that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, even the Ford, the Mustangs are now all wheel now. So. Yeah, it's very popular. I don't know that it's offered with all wheel though, or if it is, I haven't seen. I it. would doubt it. Um, um, yeah, this paint, this paint is crazy. Okay, so yeah, if you go take a look at the the online thing, uh, so it's a matte color, and I've never owned a car with matte colored paint before, uh, which just means like it's not glossy like your typical car paint. It's like a muted. I don't know. I, it's just like it's a flat color, right? As opposed to a. A, a glossy or a shiny color. Yeah, it's uh, it looks, yeah, it looks really, really good in person. Yeah, it does. And it also looks uh, like anxiety to me. Yeah. So that's the other thing, uh, which is why I haven't driven it a ton because matte paint is unique in that unlike uh, most cars, right? Because normal car paint, you get a scratch or you get a little like something to chip or something on the paint. You can typically do a couple things to fix it without a ton of effort, right? A Almost lot of cases, no effort. You can have a, a, a mid-tier detailer show up, and they can usually fix a small scratch. Yeah, it'll buff out ninety percent of the time, right? If it's a small a small scratch or something, it'll it'll just buff right out. You could just put a bunch of uh, wax on there, rub it on, it'll be gone like it wasn't even there. You can't do that with matte paint because once you start rubbing the matte paint vigorously or putting wax on it, it will become shiny. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, which then means you can no longer, <laughs> you've just ruined the paint on your car. You need uh, some which, ceramic coating, bud. Uh, right. Or paint protection film. So those yep. are the two things that I'm investigating now uh, and which I'm probably going to get one or the other of, or perhaps some combination of both installed. I often, um, disagree with things like uh like extra insurance on rental cars and stuff like that especially if you know you're covered but one one parent of mine called it um called it uh rem insurance on on certain things like extended warranties and stuff and i think i think paint protection for this specific paint is what i would definitely define as rem insurance you can sleep at night knowing that you're not (laughs) yeah Nice. And, you know, so as a, uh, it, so the saga already was contentious knowing that I had to drive it back through some not great parts of LA, uh, already. And the road, the LA freeways are not necessarily the nicest maintained. No. Yeah. Um, thankfully there was enough traffic that it couldn't go fast enough to potentially get any rocks. So, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so that was uh, anxiety inducing a little bit. But um, the other issue was that when I bought the car, it had a replace battery warning light. What? And huh? I was like, oh, the dealer lied and told me that, oh, that'll go away because, you know, it's it, think about what happens with a car like this, right? They don't let people drive it. No. Because obviously not they even don't the want to put miles on the test car. drive it. Yes. No, they're not allowed. Yeah, the, the, the dealers themselves aren't even allowed to test drive it. They test it, you know, they drive it moving it from here to there or potential serious buyers only, right? Right. So I was allowed to test drive the car because I was serious about buying it. The car had like 11 miles or something on it, right? Like nothing. 
Right. Yeah. That's a test track before it got on the boat, probably. At right. most. At most. Yeah. And so, but they're happy to open the car up and let people sit in it and play with the electronics and all that stuff, right? Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. So, playing with a battery and out, all day, every yeah, day mm-hmm. that's not being recharged. Exactly, because no one's driving the thing. And right? I assume they didn't put it on a tender at night. Yeah, so that would be what a smart dealership would do. Clearly not this place. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, like, this will be taken care of, right? The the dealer's like, you know, it, it will go away after driving it for enough time. It'll just need to recharge the battery or whatever. Yeah, so they like damaged a the little, battery. I was a little skeptical of that. Uh, and correct, you were correct that the battery was damaged. So uh, after, you know, the long drive back from L.A., turned it off, turned it back on, still said replace battery. I was like, all right. I'm not dealing with these people anymore. Plus I'm in San Diego. I'm not going to drive back to LA for this. No. So I called up a local Toyota dealer. They were more than happy to do the battery replacement. Heck yeah. They want your super back there for service (laughs) and, and and coding and whatever else, you know, the the thing I learned is that the BMW battery registration and coding system is like way more advanced than I understood at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, and apparently this goes back to even like cars like mine. Cause I remember when I changed my battery. Yeah. You had a problem. Car. Uh, yeah. I had a battery that died on me like at some point, right? This no, is maybe years you had a ago. problem when you replaced it of getting it to recognize the new battery. I remember this. Yes. And so I had to get an app and do some, uh, stuff on the app to get well, it to, yeah, cause right. it wouldn't to charge get it to recognize. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, it has a similar type system on this car, except it's now more advanced and so it was able to detect that, like, essentially they had drained one cell of the battery too much that the charging was limited off of that cell, oh. which then, like, lowered the overall voltage of the battery. It was still more than enough to start the car, right. run everything, ran fine, no problem, but it had this warning, and so... Dude, you have I a brand new like, car, you shouldn't have any battery warning. They, sh- they Yeah, absolutely not. And Toyota was, of course, like, the, de- the new dealership was, like, more than happy to fix the problem, right? And, like, multiple people at the dealership was like, wow, this is such a cool color, where did you get painted this? I was like... This is factory, my man. I didn't do this. <laughs> and they're like, it com- we've sold multiples of these. It comes in this color. Like, I've never seen it before. I was like, talk to your, <laughs> talk to your inventory people. Not, I don't know. Not in Sacramento. Yeah. I was like, talk to your inventory people. I don't know. I don't know where these come from, man. It, um, he's like, it would have been sure been nice if y'all had carried it instead of making me drive all the way to LA, you know, just saying. Yeah. Could have been dealing with you instead of these other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, you know, now I'm talking to a couple of companies in this area that do paint protection stuff and, you know, finding out the costs and, and schedules and all that sort of stuff. So we'll see. Seems like, uh, you know, there's a bit of a queue at some of these places, so it might be a little bit. The best places have a wait. And the best places also have cool Instagrams where they're like showing super and hyper cars every yes, day. If you, yeah. Yep. That's, that's literally how I picked where I got my auto tinting done. I was like, there's a lot of Lamborghinis at this place. Uh huh. <laughs> and so like, you know, it's like, Oh, this one has a Porsche and this one is a G wagon. And then this one is a Lamborghini. And this one is a Ferrari. <laughs> All right, they are working on I'll these do, and I'll posting them. Try. And if they're posting these like every couple days, they're getting, you know, they're not showing the picture of the guy who brought his Toyota in there, but, that means they're working on them, right? They just don't have to show you. Will you be the first Toyota on the Instagram? Uh, sounds like they have done a Supra before, which actually turns out to be good news because these cars are notoriously difficult to get this put on, I'm of told course. by the internet. Uh, apparently the hood, because it's one really long hood piece, 
is like longer than the standard role of this kind of film. Oh, so if the, if they try to, if they, this is for the film stuff as the ceramic coat stuff is different. Right. Right. Yep. Um, but if you're doing the film, the, uh, the standard roll size is like X inches or whatever, and it will not cover all the sides all the way and they have to stretch it. And then it can kind of look bad. Places that do a lot of these have slightly bigger rolls, right? That are like 72 inches instead of 65 or whatever. I don't know what the numbers are. I'm just making those up. Um, and then that one will cover the whole thing, but like not every shop will carry that giant roll because how often do you do that? Right. Right. So that was the thing people online said to look out for. And this place was like, Oh, we already went through this. We know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, sounds like, uh, so I'll be doing that eventually. I just don't know when and got to figure out the costs and stuff. Cause obviously it's expensive as well. It, surprisingly expensive for given i would imagine the materials aren't that expensive you got to just be paying for a ton of labor right? you're paying for labor i mean the and what you're also paying for is um don't be surprised if when you get your windows tinted or whatever else you get done with film on a car if it has to be redone oh they've said i mean it says they're like oh it has a warranty of x years or whatever so, but they're like eh, but we recommend replacing it you know, before that. Yeah. So you'll, you'll need it replaced when it wears out. Um, that stuff, that stuff wears out. And, and if it gets hit and chipped and all that sort of stuff, you need to replace it. But I also mean like I got my, um, my windows tinted right on the car. Mm. Well, uh, two of the, of the eight pieces or whatever they put on there ended up bubbling and not unbubbling. And so you take it back and they replace it. So they kind of build into the, their costs of all this stuff some dead loss is like a fishing term, right? Of mm. they're going to have to sack pieces of this film to make every single car they make. And so, yeah, you know, when they're doing your car, they might mess one or two pieces up and that gets built into the price of doing. And especially, car. you know, we talked about all the vents and stuff all over it. I mean, they have to remove those yep. to cover it. Labor. There's a lot of labor. I mean, just tinting your windows, they got to take your doors apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know that I'm going to do the window tint on this one. The windows are so small. So like kind of who cares? <laughs> um, See how it looks. Uh, and... Yeah. Yeah. I want to do the, do the paint stuff first because that's like more important. And then I can go back and get it tinted or whatever some other time. Yeah. I think it's just a pr me. pricing in their loss and their time, you know? Certainly. I mean, I'm certain it's labor. I mean, the, the guy said, you know, oh, for a car like that, it's probably five to seven business days just to get it done because of how labor intensive it is. It's like, mm -hmm. okay. One piece at a time. Yeah. And you want them to take their time, right? Like I would rather it be a slow, laborious process than for them to attempt to rush it and then screw it up. And then it may have to go back and forth and back and forth. Right. Yeah. All right. While they're taking the doors off of JJ's car, Michael, tell me about your moon doors. I don't know what that means. And I hope it's not a bad word. <laughs> no. Um, so I've been I have been slogging my way through more combat in Trails in the Sky the Third. Um, I wrote it down and... last time and I accidentally deleted it. Trails, oh, no. Trails of Mana in the Sky. Hero's Journey number three. Ooh man, you got now like five percent. <laughs> now I'm thinking like, would a Mana and Kiseki crossover be really cool? Ooh, maybe, maybe. See, look at that. Just because I can't get it right. You got a great idea. <laughs> Free to whoever. Listen out there, Falcom. Yeah. Do they know Falcom <laughs> even around? They are not. 
yeah, it turns out they're not. So, Michael, <laughs> how are you enjoying the extremely uh, combat-heavy game? Um, I'm still okay with it. Okay, I still haven't heard um, what a moon door is. I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that for you. Um, I I haven't found any part of the combat to be too long in between story beats yet. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it's because I haven't gotten to a part that's super combat heavy or haven't really gotten to a part either where I felt like I have to stop and, and grind some combat to level up a bit. Um, so it's been, it has felt like a good balance so far. Uh, I am through, I just finished the third chapter uh, where you have to split up into two parties. Mm. Oh, that never definitely... ends well. If I've learned anything from Final Fantasy games, never split your party. <laughs> Are you enjoying playing with some of the other characters that you hadn't encountered before or been able to play as in the previous games? Most of them so far, yes. Got any faves? Um, uh, I particularly like Tita just for being able to clean up mobs with area of effect attacks. She has a sweet mech. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that cannon is great for for cleaning up large clustered groups of enemies are there more mechs in these games having a standard attack with aoe is pretty rad yeah is this the only game with mechs uh absolutely not no why did no one tell me there were mechs andrew the entire cold steel series is about mechs i feel lied to and betrayed (laughs) spoilers for trails of cold steel i guess i thought cold steel would be like swords that's what you usually mean when you say cold steel Oh, I mean, there are swords in it also. Okay. Maybe I need to start getting the names right so I can (laughs) recalibrating, recalibrating. Um, But Andy, so um, as you are traversing through some of these dungeons, you come across three different types of doors. There are moon doors, sun doors, and star doors. Man, you did not give me enough time to say sliding doors, garage doors. (laughs) I know better than to give you an opening. Exactly. Cut him off. <laughs> um, and each door has a different criteria for opening. Uh, so sometimes you'll need to bring a specific character or set of characters in your party um, to the door before it'll open. Um, sometimes you'll need a character and an item um, that's related to that character before it'll open. Uh, but inside each one, you get what the game calls a, um, a fragment of memory. Nice. Um, and so whoever you bring with you, you get a little piece of their um, their story in between the second and third games. I see. Okay. Uh, and sometimes it goes, I think sometimes it goes farther back than that. But most of them have been... Um, in between the from the period in between the two games and they um, all of them award you some sort of prize in most cases it's just straight cash which is harder to come by i think in this game than in the previous two there's not um, a lot of ground loot or whatever you, you got to fight for it you can sell off the the gems that you that you get that you can use for um crafting the the like materia equivalent in this game mm-hmm. but those are also not super plentiful 
so you don't want to sell off a ton of them or your your magic is going to lag behind the pace of where you are in the story and especially some of those uh the the orbments or is it orbment the right word the quartz the crystal the quartz thank you that yep. was the word uh eventually start costing quite a lot of specific it's like you want red quartz you need like 800 red gems Yep, and, or you know, or you know, I don't know. Remember what the numbers are exactly, but eventually, yeah, it, especially, and some characters, you know, the the problem that I think Michael is going to run into, or the problem I ran into when I played this, was that like you know, some characters are very physical attacks focused. So you got to have good swords and that kind of stuff for them. Sure, and then you want like quartz that increases their their stats, but the characters that are magic focused. Like you can't afford to make that many different magical focused characters. Or you're just going to run out of crystals, man. Yeah. Like you just don't have enough good ones. Yep. And and some of them are unique. So uh, some of these doors will award you unique quartz that you can't get any other way. And so you'll only be able to put them on a single character. Oh, okay. Which, like, of course, then you can trade around or whatever, but there's still only one. So if the best possible setup or whatever uses, you know, this unique gem, you got to pick your favorite person, right? Oof. Exactly. And there are, there are I think your, your party size is four, and there are, I want to say, 16 characters in this one. Yeah, it's a lot. It's the biggest cast so far of, of the games by a pretty good margin. I think the last game might have only been nine or ten. Yeah, it definitely has quite a few more. I'm curious if by the end of this, you will come to the same conclusions I have about who is the most broken character in that game. Uh, I've I've heard some things, um, but I'll I'll play through far enough to be able to confirm it on my own. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Uh, the, the doors the doors come in three different types. Um, one of them is shorter stories one of them is very long stories and then the third one is um fights or games um one of them was like an uh um kind of an arcade shooter where you're basically shooting down incoming uh aircraft huh have you found the one that's a quiz yet no not yet all right there's one that's a quiz. It's not. It's not a spoiler to say that. Good luck. <laughs> okay. Oh no. <laughs> that. Uh, those. Are, those are always fun. Phew. I like that there wasn't a hint there. It was just like, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Not. Nah. I don't think. There's no way, anyone was able to figure out the answers to some of those, questions without looking them up. Okay. I don't know how it could be done. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, I'm. It's. I'm excited for Michael. There are some really cool story moments in some of those doors. Like some of the most interesting lore stuff in the entire series. I think in a few places. Yeah, yeah. Some of them have been good so far. Um, I I played through a particularly long one yesterday. I think it took me an hour to get through it. Oh wow. They are uh, they are story heavy in some cases. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, there's incentive to try then rather than. And especially like if you come across the door with the wrong set of people or whatever, and you can't get in, you then have to leave, change people, come back. Yeah, like the ins- they got to give you something for all that work, you know. Sure, I mean, it's nice that the teleport system does let you teleport back 
to doors that you have already activated. Yes, thank God. Yeah, so if you find a door and you don't have the characters, you can go on, and when you do have the right characters, teleport directly back to that door. This series is more intensive than I was led to believe. I I think you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> I mean, every single one of these games is like minimum 50 hours. No, I just mean in terms of the systems in place. Oh yeah, there's like some crazy systems. The you know, interestingly, I Michael, you haven't played the Cold Steel stuff. I'm very curious to hear your opinion when you have hopefully eventually played uh Cold Steel cuz I think the biggest change in the battle systems in these games. So this game this one I would say is pretty similar to the first two, right? Yeah. FC and and SC, the first yeah, and second chapter. Of, in terms of the way battles work and the orbment system, it's it's pretty close. So in Zero, then, the one that comes after this, they change it up a little bit. Um, but it's still similar-ish, mostly. Uh, and then Cold Steel is just like, hard right turn, we're doing something else. Okay. Uh, you know, so I'm curious to see if if and when you get there, what your opinion of like the difference between the two is. Because certainly I would say if you jumped into this game, the third, without having played the other two, they don't really hold your hand too much. You'd be kind of lost about how to make any character any good. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Which I guess is the nature of a game that's the third one in a series. Right? <laughs> nice. Well, uh, are you ready for another game to come back from the dead? From the very far reaches of the hardest places to find it on the internet? You found Flappy Bird. No, but good choice on, on going to the <laughs> Apple store. I was actually going to talk about Fortnite. What? <laughs> <laughs> Epic and Apple opened their trial today. Uh, I don't know if we, we talked about this before, but Epic is suing Apple saying they're a monopoly and that their control over their own app store uh is too much and etc cetera, etc cetera. their fees are prohibitive their rules are prohibitive uh they don't allow for an open marketplace uh the judge in charge of this has already called this quote the frontiers of antitrust law but we're going ahead with the trial anyway i have to talk I mean, about this because uh we're a year into a pandemic zoom has been a thing for a while now we still hear stories about the people showing up as cats or uh, in their underwear or getting waxed while they're trying to do their trials online. This one, apparently, couldn't figure out how to mute people, but allowed people from outside to view the, the trial. So the first 15 to 20 minutes of this trial uh, were inundated with a couple hundred Fortnite people in basically doing game in-game chat over the, <laughs> over the lawyers, uh, including things like, I will do uh, uh, bedroom things to you if you bring Fortnite back. I will, you know, all this sort of stuff. Uh, what you would expect from Fortnite in-game chat, let's say. All I over the this, trial. 
you were very flippant there, but I think this is an interesting area of like potential law. I don't understand the setting that they think that they have created for their argument. And I think that's a lot of what a lot of other people don't understand and what I'm flippant about it until we see something more than someone complaining about fees, which is tends to be what Epic has been complaining about in general. Um, they have couched it in a less flippant way. If you want to get into it of app stores and walled gardens present a antitrust problem across the board for app creators. Yeah. I, I, think I the... don't know how uh, you can, I don't know how that argument is made in the digital space. It, it, it certainly seems to have to me, a lay person who is not a legal professional, physical counterparts in the real world, right? Costco doesn't have to sell something. And because Costco doesn't sell, it doesn't mean that Sam's Club won't. And so, you know, the Apple the has competitors. I think, is, I think that you're focusing on the wrong the wrong direction here. It, it, and I have no idea whether Epic's arguments have merit. I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand the law. But I can say the thing that they're arguing, and when you're talking about monopolies in specific, is the idea of rent-seeking behavior. Because that's a sign that a monopoly exists, right? When a monopoly can say, I charge this amount of money to you to exist on this platform or this thing or whatever, that amount that they charge is known, like, not rent in the term of, like, you renting a house from a person or something, Mm-hmm. But th- that that word in legally is called rent. And if they can control that rent without any repercussions and there's no market force changing that rent, that's a sign that they have a monopoly. And the idea that that is a rent that that app store listing fee or percentage that they take, the idea that that is a rent is something that no one knows. Like it's never been argued before that that could be a thing. Uh, is interestingly, it? That, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Interestingly, hmm. that was actually talked about the first day of this, and Apple put up a giant slide that said, "Hey, look, because of of all this stuff, we actually changed our fees." And so that argument might not hold up. Interestingly, which they would not have changed their fees had they not been sued. <laughs> I don't right. think that that's true. They actually adjusted their fees before all this when they created Apple Arcade. Um. So I, I don't know if that's true or not because which I mean they the, do the have idea... competitors in the space and and it's it's going to come out in this whether or not they've been reacting to those competitors right they have Google they have Facebook they have a couple other people that that do roughly the same things including Epic right Epic owns the Epic Store so not it's on hard phones, though right so like that's a different yeah and so then like where you draw the line of what counts as a monopoly in what space and these sorts of things. Sure. It's yeah, going to be the entire and, and, case. And really, right? really, this comes down to how you view it, right? And and I wonder if you could say, hey, it's a, this is the, the idea of the walled garden gives them some protection here of like, this is the product, right? The phone is the product. And therefore, it acts like any other product. You can't... Um, you can't uh, file antitrust suits because you can't put BMW parts in your Toyota car, right? It just doesn't work that way. Sure, sure. Right? Like, we control the parts that go in the car. So can you sue an automaker because they're 
you know, I can't put whatever parts I want in there. No. So th- I think it, that it, is a, it's a little, the argument doesn't exactly follow when you're talking not, about software, which could run on any piece of hardware. Right. right if they were sure. allowed to, but uh, I can't run any software I want in my car. Right. Like, so there's parallels that someone could make that is, better. I would argue that you should be able to sue I, the auto manufacturer sure, for not sure. allowing you to run your own software. If you want. Sure. If it I, destroys the car, that's your problem. Right. Sure. But, you should be allowed to do that if you want. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, and we're just oversimplifying all these arguments. Um, of course, yeah. None of us really like our lawyers here. So, I I think it is cu- interesting to me. And if nothing else, if the only thing this lawsuit does is get a lot of these companies to change their policies for how much money they take for listing apps and selling things, mm-hmm. it's probably good. If the, if it does nothing else other than that, I think I for my sanity, I would prefer that phones and all these things do not allow outside installs because otherwise I'm going to be disinfecting 17 people in my family's phones from viruses all the time. So, I mean, I, you know, Android phones have allowed that for forever and I have never had to disinfect a phone for any person I know ever. So I think Mm -hmm. you're overblowing that worry a little bit there. (laughs) Um, or maybe you need to teach your family a little bit about cybersecurity and like, Hey, maybe let's not, let's not open these emails from these Nigerian folks and princes. And, uh, these, these, uh, your grandma is not actually your grandma. She spelled her name wrong there. That's not, don't click on that. (laughs) I got Um, one of those. I always flip through the trash, uh, the junk one time before I erase it. Inevitably one or two things gets caught in there. That's actually useful. Um, but I got one the other day that said it was from the FBI. Oh, who cited who cited the U the UN my and then said that I was dead. And oh then, no! And then also said that I needed to claim my money. And I was like, Andrew, are you okay? Something <laughs> something got jumbled up here. This is like four different spam emails in one. My favorite ones of those are the ones I also do what you were talking about and flip through that spam folder. Uh, every now and then just for laughs and the i saw one that clearly is like a form letter but they didn't they didn't format fill it properly <laughs> so the forms never filled in it's just like pound name <laughs> your your account is has pound money <laughs> like yeah. you got the, you got the empty mad lib jj yeah just oh, like man. A laugh. i've been getting text like- messages that say my netflix account payment has run out and i need to immediately update it through this text link <laughs> Yeah, definitely don't do that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mine mine lately have been uh, voicemails with an automated message about my warranty coming uh, due. I've gotten oh, that warranty. Those are infinite and never ending. I keep blocking uh. the numbers. Ugh. You I don't should get be able it. to report them to your mobile provider. I don't know uh, who your mobile provider is, but I know mine has like a number you can text these numbers to and they say thanks i don't know that it does anything <laughs> like everything else nobody does anything about it yeah because they get paid to let the calls go through you know i believe it oh man uh we have to issue a correction uh michael writes into the podcast last week at the end of the podcast <laughs> michael pointed out that we forgot uh that uh oscar winner Digimon Hans Hans Digimon Hansu. Did I get it right? I don't know that I've ever known the right way to say it. Anyway, he's also in uh Invincible. So we missed Truly one. Truly an all-star cast. 
uh yeah speaking of all-star cast we don't have time to talk about it today uh so we'll do a non-spoiler reaction here at the end and then we'll talk about it next week and give people a week to finish just in case they haven't yet next week will be invincible and falcon and the winter soldier all the time on this podcast what did you guys think of the finale dang yeah yeah i i liked i liked the way it all came together yeah it really good really really good my wife just kept saying i hate that man i hate that man <laughs> every scene why Reasonable. Are, she literally said why are they making me hate that man i feel like that's a that's a sign of like good character development yeah absolutely good acting right there yeah I think I will say in a non-spoilery way here that I think the I would not have ended up liking this show as much as I do if the voice talents hadn't been up to snuff. And we talked about how much we liked the various performances so far, but I think that really it does. This show could have been so much worse <laughs> if the voice actors weren't this good. It, I seriously doubted I would enjoy hearing J.K. Simmons all the time. And I seriously had forgotten that I had liked other Steve Ewan performances. Thank you, Ken, for pointing it out. Um, and even though they're good for most of it, they're not great until the end. And then you kind of see where they've gone, where they, they've used some of these voices you already know to create an air of familiarity in some cases and they play you for those reasons. It was on purpose that they used J you know, a voice like JK Simmons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, um, next week I'm excited to talk more about the spoilery stuff because I have yeah. there's I, a lot to, to there's into. a lot to dive into. I would like to say to you both, I have reread every issue that went into this first season for that discussion. Oh, awesome. I, Cause I am curious about some. So I will be able to answer stuff. all of those questions and uh, maybe we'll have a guest, you know, we'll see. Got to tune in to find out. Mm -hmm. And if you want to tune in, you can do that at podcast at we were .com. That's our email address. Please email us questions and stuff about uh, invincible or Falcon and the winter soldier. We'll, uh, we'll be talking about it next week. Yeah, you can also follow get us those on social media. Yeah, do that, please. And if not, we'll talk about it again later, I'm sure, because we'll, I'm pretty sure we'll still be happy to do that later. So uh, we're also on social media at We Were Gamers on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. You can find us, search for We Were Gamers and mash that subscribe button as hard as you can. It'd be really great. Yeah. And until then, uh, man, how do we title card to Invincible like they do in this show? <laughs> I didn't have one prepared. <laughs> Smash cut. Good deal. All right, I'm going to bounce. That car discussion went longer than I thought, and so did Guy Fieri. <laughs> hey, it's all never, good stuff, though. No, it's good. Uh, None of it was bad. Against Guy. It's okay to push things. No big deal. 
All right. Talk to you guys later. Yeah. Later. Andy, you do need to look up pictures of Guy Fieri's outdoor kitchens, though. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. See, I want to build that oven. Like, I don't need the fancy one that he has here, but the brick, the wood fired brick pizza oven is something that mm-hmm. I definitely I need in my life. My wife doesn't want one. I want it bad. Yeah. I have found, I looked up in, uh, I must have been in college. I looked up there are there are DIY directions for them online. Oh no, we found some around here uh, that would work. Oh nice. Um, it's I I thought I was gonna have enough brick to do it, but uh, that new front yard ate up a lot of that brick. Oop. So, you know, I like how covered this thing is. Yeah. He's got like range hoods and everything because he's got it fully enclosed. Oh, are those his kids? Yeah. That's cool. It reminds me of um no, this is way more involved than Gordon Ramsay's kitchen. Gordon Ramsay has like five ovens. And the entire middle of his kitchen is stainless steel, if I remember correctly. Like the the island is like a huge stainless steel kitchen. But this is cool, man. I could see, you know what? If you find some, there's some old pictures too uh, of this thing. And he's got like, he's just got like a Home Depot workbenches out there. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you could see it getting upgraded more and more and more. <laughs> That's cool.